Good morning again, Victory City. I want to welcome you one more week into Victory City Live. Thank you so much for joining back with us again this week. It is always a privilege to be able to bring you the word every week, and I'm just excited that y'all um, just keep considering us every week. We are jumping back in into Acts again as we are still working and walking through this wonderful book, and I pray that you are growing and being changed and sanctified through the goodness and what God is illuminating to us through this time. What we are seeing now is that all throughout biblical history in, in our text, there are certain things, there are certain trends, there are certain consistencies that we see everywhere. And one of those themes is seeing someone that God has especially taken to use, that he has set apart, sanctified specifically for his work and for his service. Now, the most common trend that we see is that these people are called by God, and sometimes there may be resistance to that call, but inevitably they submit themselves to the effectual call of God. Those very same people in serving God are placed in compromising situation after compromising situation only to realize that it was God who was delivering them and he uses the persecution that the devil intended for evil to glorify himself. Not only is that the great theme in all of the Bible, is also a, a special theme that we will consistently see here in the book of Acts, and we have already seen that theme in a great way. These men that we see, these apostles, are God's proven men. They have been tested, they have been tried, they have been vetted, they have been purified, they have been sanctified for the work of God. They are his proven men. They have already come face to face with adversity, with lies, with persecution, and in some cases, even death itself because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But despite all this, they have glorified God in every opportunity they had to stand for him. Even in Satan's attempts to thwart the plan of God, to thwart the work of these men and to sabotage the message that God had, he delivered them and his goodness and faithfulness was put on display, testified of before men and women who saw the glory and the goodness of God. So again, here lies the trend that we must all grasp for our own lives and hence the title of today's sermon. If God is for us, if God is for us, there is an axiomatic truth that if God is for us, then no one can be against us. You may have heard it like this. If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, unfortunately, this is a, a message that has been overused and sometimes cliched, but the truth still lies in what it says in that if God is for us, there is no one, there is nothing, there is no tribulation, there is no trial, there is no situation, there is no enemy, there is no devil, there is no devil in hell that can withstand the plan of God. If God is for us, then he is more than the whole world against us. Now, there is one key here, and let's make it very clear before we begin. God will only be for you when the world is against you, okay? 
You cannot simultaneously be for the world and for God at the same time. You must be set apart for God's service before God and God alone, and the world will be against you. So let's look at today's message from that perspective, all right? Let's jump back into Acts chapter 5, verse 17. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together to counsel all the sin of the people of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guard standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, look. The men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. Let's pray. Father God, um, there is so much truth in this word, and we pray that you will reveal yourself, reveal the truth of the word, that if we are in right standing with you, God, it will put us in opposition with the world, God. But we know that if you are for us, there is nothing that the world can do to stop us. Even if they take our life, God, you hold our souls. So, Lord, let us learn that what it means to have perseverance because of the relationship we have with you, clear consciences, hearts that are free from sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, throughout the ministry of Jesus and throughout the ministry of the apostles, there are two primary groups that constantly oppose the work of Jesus and the apostles. Luke, who's our writer and author here, writes his gospel in his gospel the opposition that they constantly see are the legalistic, the religious conservatives of the day, which would have been the Pharisees. They constantly stood in opposition to the work of Jesus Christ. Now, today, as Luke records, he's recording that there is an opposing group, which are the religious liberals, not the religious conservatives. It's the religious liberals who are opposing the work of the apostles, and that group being the Sadducees. Now, one of the main issues that these religious liberals had is that they were teaching the truth, but they were gaining popularity. More than that, they were gaining popularity by doing real, verifiable, undeniable miracles that were leading people to Jesus Christ. Not only that, when they would perform these miracles, they were still violating the command that they brought to them. You remember we saw it a few weeks ago, not to speak or teach anything in the name of Jesus Christ. And these faithful men of God obeyed God rather than they would obey men. And so because of this, because they keep violating this command, they are furious at these men. They are hostile towards them and their anger, their involvement is becoming more and more volatile. They wanted to stifle the ministry of the apostles. 
Now, I like how Luke refers to them. He refers to them as a party or a sect or a cohort. And we actually quite literally get our word heresy from the word that he uses here. Now, this sect of Sadducees are so filled with jealousy that they thought another group was coming to take away the political power that they had. Because these men not only had political power amongst the Jews, but they also had political power amongst the Roman officials, which is how they're able to have as much influence as they have. Now, the phrasing that they use here when they come to arrest them, and that's what they do. They come and they arrest them and they place them in a public prison. The phrasing used here is definitely key. He says that setting their hands, that's literally how it's translated from the Greek, that they set their hands on them. So that means they come with hostility, they come with violence, they come with aggressions, and they physically grab these men and place them in the prison, but not just any prison, they place them in the most public prison possible. Now, this prison being public is going to be very important as we go forward, and I I need you to be able to grasp it, but but before we get there, we absolutely know that they arrested them and they placed them in this public prison not only to embarrass them, not only to shame them, but they also did it to invalidate the ministry that they had. Now, This should be quite familiar for us if we track back in our own history as a people, but also as ministers of the gospel, when people who were defending their religious liberty in the 1960s who were thrown into prison because they were men of color who were also defending the civil rights because that was a violation of God himself. I even remember John MacArthur talked about being thrown in prison and handcuffed together with other men of color because they were being prohibited from preaching the gospel in their pulpits. And he said that they were absolutely thrown in prison. Their names were listed in newspaper, not just to embarrass them, but it was to invalidate their ministry and invalidate the word that they had, which was the gospel. This is nothing more than another flawed attempt by Satan to try to embarrass people, to stifle the work of the gospel. But as we have learned in all of our reading, all of our learning through Acts, and as we learned a few weeks ago, no matter what Satan tries to do, it is like wind that happens to a flame. It causes it to spread. His attempt to blow it out makes it go even further. And that's the faithfulness of God is that he takes what Satan absolutely intends for evil. He takes what Satan absolutely intends to destroy us. He takes what Satan absolutely intends to shame and invalidate and embarrass us and he flips it around. He turns it upside down and he uses it for our good and for his glory. That's just a good God, people. He takes what the devil intends to kill us and he uses it to bring us further in our newness of life. Now, we see here that the Sadducees are so filled with jealousy that they arrested these apostles and they placed them in this public prison. Now, why is this public prison so important? Why is it so important that they placed them in a prison that could be seen by everyone? Well, let's look at what happens here. 
An angel comes and doesn't open the doors, but just takes them out. It says that when the guards went back, that the doors were actually still securely fixed and locked. And the only ones who would have been able to get them out would have been the guards of the prison. So they can't even come out without those guards having been let them out. So this angel comes and removes them out of the prison divinely. So let's dig deeply here. The Sadducees did not just have jealousy towards the apostles, but they were also opposed to them for two theological premises. One was that they did not believe in any resurrection. Now, this goes totally against the message of the apostles because their whole gospel message centered around the fact that Jesus Christ was the man, as we heard them say quite a few times, that you crucified, but on the third day was raised by the Father from the dead as the final perpetuation, the sacrifice for all of our sins so that the sin debt we had would be paid off. They denied that there was any resurrection, and so because they denied the very thing that the apostles were preaching they were angry and they vehemently disagreed with the message of the apostles of some resurrection now there is another theological premise and this one is really important here that they are really really against they are against any idea that angels even exist in the first place now I want you to see what God is doing here first he, he divinely and sovereignly allows them to be thrown into a public prison by a group who do not believe in the resurrection, so they deny their message, by a group who do not believe in any angels, and the very thing that they do not believe in, not only do they come in, not only does an angel come in and free them, but the angel tells them to go back and do the exact thing that had placed them in the prison in the first place. So look at how God is turning this situation around and using it for their good and his glory. Oh, you don't want us to preach the gospel and you don't believe in angels. Well, God sends an angel to free them, to keep them, to preach the gospel. Look at what he does. And by the way, you threw us in a public prison for our shame, for our embarrassment, to invalidate our ministry. But the very thing you meant to embarrass us, the very thing you meant to shame us, is the very thing that God used to glorify himself. When the devil has a plan to destroy, God has a plan to exalt the gospel. When the devil tries to invalidate faithful men of God, God will stand in between the plan that he has and take it and use it for his glory. This is our hope, people. God can overrule any judgment. God can overrule any decision, any imprisonment, anything that the world tries to do. God has the power if we are with him to oppose the world that is against us. That is the power of who God is. Now, as the system of the world in our own day continues to bear down more and more on us, as we see the persecution that used to be far away, constantly coming closer and beginning to cross the seas, we must understand that the only way we will make it through this time is that if we are with God, then he is with us. Not only is he with us, but he is for us. 
I remember not too long ago, I preached a message from Acts, Acts 16, consistent in chaos, when Paul had been thrown into prison as well. And in that same time that I was preaching that message, right after I got done preaching it, I got a call from a member of our church who said that she had been working in an environment, a job that she had prayed to God for to get, had gotten a job, and after she mentioned to her boss that she was a Christian, that she immediately became hostile towards her. And so she called me. She said this message was a blessing because it told her that whatever she should do, if her conscience is clear, if she remained faithful to God, he will remain faithful to her. And even as she had become to come at peace with the situation, there was an opportunity that moved her, that transferred her out of that office into another office where she no longer had to work for this woman who was hostile at towards her only because she was a Christian. Now, there is no axiomatic truth here that says if you are with God that he will get you out of every situation. But we can say like the three Hebrew boys said that I don't know that this is what God will do, but I know what God is able to do. God is able to get us out of any situation because if God is for us, if there is a mountain, he can move it. If there is a Red Sea, he can split it. If there is a prison, he can open it. There is nothing that God has assigned to himself that will be impossible to him. The only thing that God can't do are the things that God said he can't do. But everything else is within his sovereign control and his divine power. And this is the beautiful thing. When God moves, it does not matter what is standing between us. When he moves, there is nothing that can withstand God. If God is for us, there is nothing that can be done against us. What happens as they are being freed is that they, an angel, the angel tells them to go back and do exactly what they were doing. Go back to the temple and speak to the people the words of life. Go right back and teach. Go right back and do the thing that got you in this situation in the first place. And so what do they do? They go right back by daybreak and they continue to faithfully preach the gospel. So when the leaders hear about this furious, they send them to have them brought out, but they were gone. Now, not only were they gone, when they did find them, they were too afraid to even grab them because the Bible says if they had grabbed them forcefully, they thought that there was a chance that they would have been stoned. God will use the men and, and people who are so faithful to his word. Not only will he use us, but he will divinely protect us as well. Now, the public prison they had been placed in to shame these men had now become their own shame. The very thing that was supposed to invalidate these men had now invalidated them. Look at with me, if you will, at Colossians 2 and 15. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. The devil was attempting to embarrass the men of God and God ends up embarrassing him and he embarrasses them in well. He took what they meant for evil and what they meant for shame and he took what they meant for embarrassment and he turned it and used it for his good. 
In other words, when they go back to investigate, God leaves the doors just as they were. There was nothing that could have been done by these men other than a divine intervention by God. God had divinely removed them. Now, will you pause with me for just a second? Indulge me, if you will. If God created the heavens and the earth, if God split the Red Sea, if God raised Lazarus, and if he raised Jesus, don't you know how much more able and capable he, uh, he is of taking care of you? Jesus said, if you look at just the lilies, look at how they are arrayed and then look at the sparrow. They neither sow nor reap. How much more value are you than the sparrow? How much more value are you than the lilies? God cares about you. God cares about every one of us, but he cares about you specifically. And let me say this as I said earlier. If you can look in your life and if your conscience is clear and there is no sin to be found, then you don't have anything to worry about. Whatever God is doing to you is what he's doing through you. He's sanctifying you and he's purifying you and he's burning off the things that do not need to be there. If there is no sin in your heart, no hidden secret sin, then you are on the right side. And whatever God may be doing, look at this scripture and be encouraged. Romans 8, 31. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who is to condemn God's elect to bring any charge against God's elect. It is God who justifies. Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to the beast slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Look at the beauty of Paul's proclamation here. If God is for us, who can be against us? Look at what he did. He gave up. He handed over his very son for us all. If he was willing to do that, there is no expense that is too great. There is nothing that will separate us when we are in Christ. There is nothing that can destroy us. It doesn't matter what the threat of the enemy is. Any threat pales in comparison to our God. Nothing can separate us from him, from those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And he has proven to us time and time again that he is relentless in his pursuit of us. Because of his faithfulness, while the storms may roll and while the attacks may come, we are more than conquerors through him who saved us. And so I want to offer this encouragement to all of you. 
as we close, God is for us. If your conscience is clear, if you are in right standing with God, God is for you. Not only is he for you, but he's with you. He has given you a guarantee, and that is the Holy Spirit that dwells in all of us. It doesn't matter what it may look like. It doesn't matter what the threat may be. It doesn't matter what they may say. It doesn't matter what they may do. If your conscience is clear, if God is for you, he is more than the whole world against you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this word. God, we need this word as the pressure seems to cave in on us more and more every, every day that the world is, is living by a wicked system by which is directly opposing the truth of the gospel, Lord. Please remind us that if you are for us, God, there is nothing that the world can do to stop what you have to do in us. And that's not about us being great. That's not about us getting material things, God, but that's about us sharing the gospel. There is nothing that the enemy can do to stop the spread of this truth. God, we thank you that you are so faithful to us, that if you are for us, there's nothing the world can do against us. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.